we're going to talk today about bad things. When bad things happen. When bad things happen is typically when people's faith are tested the most. As human beings, we typically think when life is good, God is good. By faith, we believe that God is good when life is bad. But bad things test that faith. There is a part of us that questions when bad things happen, can God still be good? We all struggle with this. Daryl Stingley was declared dead in a Chicago hospital on April 5th, 2007, after having been found unresponsive in his home. He was 55 years old. Stingley spent 29 years of his life in a wheelchair and his death was related to an injury he suffered on August 12th, 1978. A top receiver for the New England Patriots, American football, he was leaping for a pass thrown by quarterback Steve Grogan. Jack Tatum of the Raiders laid a hit on him that broke Daryl's neck and left him a quadriplegic. When the press interviewed Stingley 10 years after his injury, he said, I have relived that moment over and over again. I was 26 years old at the time, and I remember thinking, what's going to happen to me? If I live, what am I going to be like? And then there were all of those, why? 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 He then commented, it was only after I stopped asking why that I was able to regroup and go on with my life. He was a Christian. He said a crucial part of moving on was forgiving Jack Tatum, the Oakland Raider who had ended Stingley's career. Tatum hit violently, and how he played has been debated in football circles for years. He even wrote a book entitled Final Confessions of an NFL Assassin. Though disturbed by reading it, was Tatum's intent to hurt those on the opposing team, Daryl Stingley forgave the man who changed his life. He said, for me to go on and adapt to a new way of life, Stingley said, I had to forgive him. I couldn't be productive if my mind was clouded by revenge or animosity. When Daryl learned that Jack Tatum, the man who would hurt him, had to have part of a leg amputated because of diabetes, he felt for him. When interviewed by the Boston Globe in 2003, Stingley said, you can't, as a human being, feel happy about something like that happening to another human being. Maybe the natural reaction is to think he got what was coming to him. But I don't accept human nature as our real nature. Human nature teaches us to hate. God teaches us to love. At his funeral, the pastor who conducted the funeral said, Daryl was a good man. He didn't stop serving God just because he had a life of suffering and pain. He lived a life focused on the future, not on the past. Now, none of us in here are quadriplegics due to an injury that we suffered from an NFL hit by a man who called himself the assassin of the NFL. But the fact remains, we have problems. We're going to talk about when bad things happen. We're going to study a story today in John chapter 11 about a man named Lazarus. The interesting thing about God's word is it doesn't only give us one perspective. It gives us the perspective of Jesus, 
the perspective of the disciples who are standing by, the disciple of Mary, the sister to Lazarus, gives us the perspective of Martha, sister to Lazarus, and gives us a little bit of a perspective of Lazarus himself. When bad things happen, let's pray, and then we'll get into the story. Father, we thank you so much for an opportunity to study your word. We don't understand why things happen. Our faith is tested, and oftentimes we fail in that faith. Perhaps there are people not sitting in this room this morning because of a hit that their faith has taken. I pray for that person who may eventually listen to this message. I pray for those of us who are listening right now in person. Give us the grace to be willing to accept by faith what your word teaches about bad things. If there's someone here today that doesn't know for sure that they're saved, I pray that they would believe by faith what your word says about judgment to come, your love for them as you died on the cross for them, and the salvation that you freely offer. Help them to be saved. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. The Bible says in Proverbs 9 and verse number 8, Reprove, or correct is what that word means, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. We're going to read a story about a group of people that Jesus loved. It says that several times in this passage. We need to understand that if we are ever going to grow through bad things, we have to be willing to be corrected. We have to be willing for God to give us feedback on what he sees about our faith. We cannot sit there and like a scorner, have a hard heart and a closed mind and blind eyes and absolutely convinced that we are right about everything. We have to be teachable. We have to be pliable. The healing is found if we're willing to be taught. The healing is found if we're willing to be taught. The first thing that we see in John chapter 11 and verse number 1, now a certain man was sick. Now, first of all, we're finding he was sick. Starts out with sickness. Uh, this is something that we've all experienced. We've all been sick before. It's very interesting that the sicker you are, the deeper the questions go. The more the pain turns up. Listen, pain is not in our life because God doesn't like us. Pain is a tool that God uses to purify us. It causes us to ask those deep questions. And we'll see that here in just a moment. Now, a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany. It gives the town, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. These two sisters are mentioned several times in the New Testament, in the, in the, in the Gospels. Verse 2, it was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, if you uh, turn very briefly to John chapter number 12, we're not going to take the time but it goes through the story in detail of this sister, Mary, who goes and breaks the alabaster box of ointment on Jesus' feet in this act of worship, right? So we can see already, it tells us in verse number two, in a long chapter, one of the results of bad things, if handled properly, will result in worship. Let me say that again. It tells us right from the beginning of the story that if bad, when bad things come into our life, if we handle it in a way that pleases the Lord, if we're teachable and we allow him to teach us something about faith, it will result in many people worshiping Jesus. They will see the value of Jesus because something bad came into our life. We see that right here in verse number two. Verse three, therefore his sister sent unto him. His sister sent unto Jesus. Why? Because Lazarus was sick. Saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. 
They, they declare in verse number three, they knew that Jesus loved Lazarus. Notice it says in verse number, we'll read verse four and five. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the son of God might be glorified thereby. Now look at verse five. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Here's a question. Did Jesus love Lazarus? Yes. The sisters knew Jesus loved Lazarus. He whom thou lovest is sick. Notice it again confirms in verse number five. Now Jesus loved. Listen, not just the one who was sick. Sometimes it's sometimes the difficult thing that we're going through is that someone else is going through a difficult thing. The difficult thing is that Lazarus is sick. And it says in verse number three, Jesus loved Lazarus. They all knew that. But it confirms in verse number five, Jesus loved all of them. And it doesn't just say, and Jesus loved them. Listen, don't miss this. It names each of them. Jesus loves you. Point number one is simply this. Bad things don't mean that Jesus doesn't love you. That may not be proper grammar, or it may not be the most eloquent way, but I think it's very clear. Because let's be honest, oftentimes when bad things come to us, we think, I mean, I know that Jesus loves me, but maybe he loves them more than he loves me because they don't have bad things and they don't have this struggle or it's not this difficult for them, but it is difficult for me. Listen, friend, we have to hold on to the truth of verse number five that Jesus loved. What does it say? Martha. Now, Martha was the worker. It's interesting how different personalities come out in Scripture. Some of us are workers. We would rather work. Mary was more of the worshiper, right? And it's, and, and because of personality and whatever, uh, people, some people, they, they, they just love to worship. They just want to listen. They want to worship. They, no, they Look, teaching is just... It's just they can just sit and sit and worship and sing and sit and learn and learn. Other people are like, ah, I can learn a little, but man, I got to go do something. And we've got Lazarus. Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Jesus cared about Lazarus. It was also... It's also very clear because all three names are mentioned that Jesus intended for them to know that he loved each and every one of them. Listen, because he loved each and every one of them, he had a lesson for each and every one of them. This just isn't about Lazarus. This is about everyone that's in Lazarus's life. And when we have a difficult time in our life, when bad things happen, Jesus is not just concerned about you. He's not just concerned about you knowing that, G, that, that he loves you. He also wants other people in your life to know that he loves them. And this is one of the reasons why he allows bad things to happen. It says it one more time. If we go over, verse 35 is a famous verse. Okay, it's the shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. This is later when he comes and finds that Lazarus is dead. He knew that was going to happen, but Lazarus had died. Lazarus is now in the, in the, in the grave. And it, notice it says that when it's saying that he's weeping, I mean, he's, he is not like convulsing and like screaming and he, but he's crying. It's obvious that he's upset. Not necessarily that Lazarus is dead. He's upset because everyone else is upset. He is touched with the feeling of our infirmity. He knows what you're feeling when you're going through a hard time. He's going through a hard time. He is not a God that is so far away that he doesn't know what we're feeling. He's not a God that's so far away that he doesn't care about what you're feeling. Notice, and turn with me briefly, to Hebrews 4, 
Bad things doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. Hebrews 4.14 Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. It's talking about having faith. It's talking about holding fast our trust. Listen, if we're not careful, bad things will cause us to loosen our grip on our trust in God. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if I can trust him because this hurts. So how can we make sure that we have a strong faith and we don't relax our trust? I don't, I'm going to protect myself from God because when I really trust him and bad things happen, I don't know if I, if I feel like that he's, that I can, that I can trust him. He's, is he going to hurt me again? If I follow him closely, am I going to get hurt again? Some people's solution to bad things happening and faith in God is I'm going to follow from a distance. I'm going to keep a safe distance from God. And he comforts us and says, let us hold fast our profession. How can, listen, how can I have a strong faith in God when I get hurt when I follow him? I need to know what kind of God I'm dealing with here. Bad things don't mean bad God. Jesus, help us. He's sick. Hey, this is the guy that you love. As if he needed to be reminded. But then Jesus reminds them in verse number five. Jesus loved Martha and Mary. Listen, he loved the ones that were praying for the person who was hurting. They were hurting because they loved their brother and they're praying to Jesus. Is, is there somebody that you're praying for? Is there somebody in your life that you care about so much it hurts? For some of you, it may be someone who's lost. They're not really hurting because they don't even understand their condition. But you hurt. Jesus loves you. And he hears your prayer. Don't stop praying. You're praying for someone who's hurting. And you hurt because you love them. Jesus feels your pain. He knows your pain. He hears your prayer. He wants to comfort you right now that he loves you and he hears you. It says in verse 15, Hebrews 4, 15, 16, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. He heard them. Listen, he heard them. They came to the throne of mercy. They were interceding. This is called intercessory prayer. If we're going to use a big word. They're not praying for a need in their life, Mary and Martha. They're praying for their brother. They're praying for Lazarus. We believe you. We believe you love him. We know you love him. But notice, bad things doesn't mean Jesus didn't love him. Before we continue on, because the other ones are all built on this one piece, we have to look at just a couple, just a, a, a couple, just one more passage, a couple of verses before we continue on. Romans 8. Jesus can feel. He can feel what Lazarus is feeling. He can feel what Mary and Martha are feeling. He's not allowing this in their life because he doesn't feel it. 
Don't miss that point. Sometimes as a parent, you can tell your child, well, just do it. But we have to remember, they're, they're kiddos. They're little. And something that may be easy for me to do because I'm grown up, for them might just be like, I mean, crazy difficult or maybe crazy painful. And if I'm not careful as a father, I can just be like, just do it. Like as if I'm unfeeling, as if I've forgotten. Listen, Jesus is not putting you, allowing this to come into your life because he doesn't know, because he doesn't feel. He knows exactly. He feels exactly. He knows. And he hears. Don't think for a moment that he doesn't hear. He does hear. But we'll get into the bigger picture in just a moment. He he loved them. Let's see what the love is. Romans 8, 28. We know, verse 28, we love this verse. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. All things will work together for good. Not all things are good. Was it good that Lazarus was sick? No. Listen. Is it going to work together for good? Yes. Yes. No. What is that faith based off of? The faith that God loves us. That this is not happening because he doesn't love us. He's allowing it to happen because he does love us. A loving God does not, he is not so far distant That painful things never happen to us. Some people have this parenting philosophy. Well, if I really loved my kid, nothing painful would ever happen to them. It doesn't mean that we're reckless with our children. But at the same time, we have a responsibility to train them to be resilient. We have a responsibility for our children to allow some discomfort into their life so that they can have some grit so that they're not easily stopped. The discomfort of an eight-year-old helping us wash dishes. It's crazy what people do with their kids nowadays. It's like they just want to put them in a little glass bubble and that's what love is, is never letting them ever experience anything negative. Then what happens when they graduate high school? What happens when they go to college? What happens? What happens when they graduate college? Oh my goodness. We've got 22-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 27-year-olds that think that they have their human rights have been violated. Why? Because that person didn't give me exactly what I wanted when I wanted it. That's not life. How are you raised? This is not heaven. One day we will be in the place where there are no tears and there is no pain. We're not there yet. This is preparation for there. And right now, a loving God allows us and he carefully crafts the test. And if we love him and we follow him, all things will work together for good. Verse 31 says, what shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things that are necessary in context? He will freely give us all things that are necessary to love him so that all things work together for good. He'll not freely give us all things. It's not a blank checkbook. God signs his name and he's like, here, have fun. Now that you're one of my children. No, 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 no. That's not the way it works. It's more of a blank checkbook on education. He'll freely give us all things that are necessary for us to be conformed to the image of his son. Verse 33, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. 
Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Notice how it keeps coming back to, yes, there are tests of your faith, but God loves you. God loves you. Bad things doesn't mean Jesus doesn't love you. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lazarus, your sickness is not separating you from God's love. When you're healthy, God loved you. When you're sick, God loved you. Mary, Martha, when your brother was fine, God loved you. And God loved your brother. And when your brother got sick, God loves you, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And when Lazarus gets sicker and sicker and you start praying in your prayer, when there's a delay to answered prayer, God loves you. And that's the next point. Bad things doesn't mean Jesus doesn't know the end of the story. We'll look at this one quickly. John 11. Verse number four. When Jesus heard that, meaning when they sent unto him, when they requested of him, when they're praying, Lazarus is sick, come and heal him. When Jesus heard that, verse four, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. That the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Bad things doesn't mean Jesus doesn't know the end of the story. Notice his goal in this bad thing that was happening. So that God would be glorified. We talk about glory. Like what does it mean for God to be glorified? Okay. Uh, to me, it makes the most sense when someone is on a stage and they're performing, they're doing something, and there are many people. There's the audience, perhaps there are uh, people in the in the orchestra, potentially, or there are sound people that make all the sound equipment work, and 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 there are people that make all the stage work with all the all the all the lights and all of the all of the curtains and all. But there there is a central figure, typically. And everywhere else is somewhat dark, but there's a big spotlight that hits that person because they're the central focus. The person controlling the curtains on the stage, the spotlight's not on them. It's not about them. Nor is it on the orchestra. It's on the person on the stage. We have to remember that when bad things happen in our life, we are not the central focus of the story. It's not about you. It's not about you and your pain. You say, oh, that doesn't sound kind. No, no. We have to remember, if we allow God to be the hero of the story, all of a sudden now the story starts to make sense. And the problem is oftentimes that when bad things happen in our life, we focus on ourselves instead of saying, Jesus, how can you get the spotlight and attention on what's going on in our life. Let's go back to the story of the NFL linebacker. Everybody, listen, as tragic as that was, at, towards the end of his life, as his story started coming out, who was the focus on? It was on God. It was on God's uh, strength and grace to help him forgive the man who paralyzed him. And then when he heard that that man got so sick with diabetes, he had to have a leg amputated, he actually forgave him and felt sorry for him. How can someone do that? Because of God. So now who's the central figure in the story? Who's getting all the attention? God is. And when, listen, when we allow God to be the hero of our story, all things start working together for good. 
Problem is, is that we all struggle with a God complex. We all think God should work for us. I'm important. I shouldn't feel pain. Fix this. It's not about you. And it's not about me. It's about him. When things are good, the story's about him. When things are bad, the story is about him. And if we love him when things are bad, allowing him to have the glory and the attention, things will start working together for good in his time. And that's the next point. Bad things are perfectly timed by Jesus. It says here, In chapter 11 and verse number 6. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. When we have to wait for God to help us in a bad time, We begin to question his love. We begin to question whether or not he's hurt us. And guys, let's be honest, in the deepest and darkest of times, sometimes we even begin to question whether he's there at all. God's timing is perfect. We have to wait on God. How many of you have ever been frustrated at a restaurant because the the wait staff was just crazy slow. <laughs> There's a situation that happened a couple weeks ago, and we're waiting for our bill. It's always at the end, right? It's either you're like you're really hungry, waiting for somebody to take your order, or at the very end they won't bring you the bill, and you feel like you're hostage. It's like, well, I can't just leave. I mean, I gotta pay. I don't have cash, though. That's the problem. And the, the waitress's uh, friends came in. And so she was just talking, talking, 20 minutes. It was like, wait. I got a, hey, huh? I got a thing. Hey, it is not in my daily planner for me to sit here for 20 minutes and wait for my bill. It's funny how we get so eloquent when we're waiting, right? Jesus, Lazarus is sick. Did he hear him? Did he hear him? I heard you. Yep, got it. Thanks. Oh, you mean he didn't like, you know, put the light on top of his car? Lazarus is sick, get out of the way. Like the fire trucks coming down the road. Hmm? Now let's be honest. Isn't that what we kind of expect Jesus to do? Totally. And then what do we... Well, he doesn't do that. So then what do we... Did you hear me? So we start praying. Maybe we even start fasting. Surely he's got to listen if I'm fasting. I mean, goodness, I'm not eating my food. Doesn't he hear my stomach rumbling? And in the interpretation of the stomach rumble is, hey, Jesus, I'm in a big trouble right now. I could use some help. We heard him. By the way, if, if we are in trouble, it does have a purifying effect. Let's make sure we don't have sin in our life. Because if, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. He hears me, but he doesn't hear me. I, I cannot have him answer my prayer and me hold on to my sin at the same time. You have to choose. And so in that case, very purifying. It's purifying. But it doesn't always mean you have sin in your life. Job's friends made that big mistake in the book of Job. Job had a horrible, horrible time. Catastrophe after catastrophe. His children died. He lost all of his wealth. 
He got a horrible disease. His wife told him, curse God and die. Like she told him, just commit suicide. And his friends, his three friends came and they were good men. They came and said, oh, I know exactly. And they all told him, Job, you've got sin in your heart. You did something terrible. We can't pretend to know what's going on in somebody else's life. We don't know why Lazarus was sick. But we do know that it was for God's glory. We do know that Jesus heard them. And we do know that when Jesus hears our prayers, sometimes he chooses to wait. Trust him when you're waiting. Don't question his love. His love sometimes allows us to wait. We don't know why. He knows the whole story. We don't know the whole story. But he waited two days. Let's, let's read on. We're almost done, actually. He abode two days still in the same place, verse 6. Then after that, saith he to his disciples, let us go into Judea again. His disciples saying, Master, the Jews of late sought, sought to stone thee. This is towards the end of Jesus' life. He had a lot of enemies. And so he was kind of living outside of where the, of where the heat was. But what he was saying was, because of Lazarus' situation, I'm going to go back into the area where people wanted to stone him and kill him. And what does Jesus say in verse number 9? He says, Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light in him. He's trying to say, there's nothing that these guys can do to me until God allows it to happen. There's no, listen, if God wants to do something in your life, politics cannot stop him. The angry people that hate God cannot stop him from doing whatever he wants to do. Lazarus was sick and Jesus allowed that. And he knew exactly what his timing was going to be. He knew there were people standing, angry people, standing between him and Lazarus. It didn't bother. The delay is not because of the angry people. Well, if this person in my life would just do this or do that, then finally God could do. Look, there has never been one person that stopped God from doing whatever God wanted to do. He's either sovereign or he's not. Well, I thought I'd get a little bit better of an amen on that. Either Jesus can do it or, or, he, or he can't. And these, these people, these angry people, were not going to stop him from going to Lazarus because that was his plan. Verse 11, these things said he, and after that he saith unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Then said his disciples, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. Howbeit Jesus spake of his death. They thought that he had spoken of taking of rest and sleep. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Now notice what he says in verse number 15. And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there. Why? To the intent you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. For your sake. Now we see the whole picture. We see Lazarus, Martha, Mary, and the disciples, and many others. Why does Jesus allow bad things to happen? So that we can believe, so that our faith will be stronger, so that God can be seen. He goes through, and it says in verse number 19, many of the Jews came to Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him, but Mary sat still in the house. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give it thee. Jesus saith unto her, Thy brother shall rise again. Martha saith unto him, I know that he shall rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? She saith unto him, Yea, Lord. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. When she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly, saying, The Master has come and calleth for thee. 
As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. Now Jesus was not yet come into the town, but was in that place where Martha met him. Let's skip down and let's go to verse 32. Then when Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hast been here, my brother had not died. Again, re-emphasizing the point, Jesus and his timing were perfect. I have two points and I'm done. And it will be less than five minutes. First of all, we can see it was too late for Mary and Martha's plan to work. And oftentimes our faith is tested when something bad has happened and we have a plan. (laughs) Something bad has happened and we have a plan. And then all of a sudden now it's like, oh, that's not going to happen. We think, oh, Jesus, you missed it. You missed it. You missed the timing. He didn't miss the timing. He knows exactly what he's going to do. Listen, it was too late for Mary and Martha's plan to work, but it was not too late for Jesus's plan to work. It was too late for Mary and Martha's plan to work. It was not too late for Jesus's plan to work. We just read so many of their friends and their neighbors came to comfort Mary and Martha. Guess what? Now Jesus has a crowd. Now the, the, the time... The timing was way off for Mary and Martha. But we can see for Jesus' plan, who plans on raising Lazarus from the dead, now he's got a crowd. Now he's got a crowd of people that are standing around. This, Listen, we have to have faith in God's plan that sometimes when things are bad and things get worse and things get worse and things get worse, that and our plan is expired, God is just creating a crowd so that people can see how incredibly awesome he is. He deserves a crowd. He deserves a crowd. And it requires us to have faith and belief and trust. And say, hey, once again, this is not about me. If you need my plans to expire so that you can have a crowd, so that you can show what you can really do, that's okay. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you. As long as you get the crowd and as long as you see, the problem is we're too, we, we get so caught up in our plans. If our plans work out every time, guess who gets the glory? We do. Yeah, we were friends with Jesus. He loves us. We called him. He came. Guys, can we be honest? In the life of faith, as a Christian, our plans rarely ever work out. And by the way, that's that's why some people stop living by faith. They're they're saved. They're genuinely saved. They go off and they start living like a lost person. Because they want their plans to work. It doesn't work that way. Living by faith is trusting in his plan. Do you have a plan? How often does your plan work out? Honestly, hopefully not often. Well, what do you mean hopefully not often? If my plan always works out, that means I'm walking by sight, not by faith. And then God allows something big to come into my life, something bad, something terrible, something that tests my faith. And and, and the first thing we all do, we all do this. We're humans. This is what we all, we got to have a plan. We gotta have a plan, we gotta pray, we gotta pray, play the plan. We've got, you know, it's got all here. And guess what? What was God, what, what was Jesus waiting for? Their plan to expire. Oh, you got a plan? Okay, yeah, uh, I'm gonna wait till that's done. Then I'll come in and I'll help. Are you, are you waiting for God? To show up and make your plan work? So many times when God wants to work in our life, what's stopping us is our plan. We can pray, but we need to trust him with the final decision. As soon as they saw him, this is what they said. I believe in you. I believe you can raise the dead. But yeah, guess, hey, Jesus... 
If you'd have been here, if you'd have followed our plan, this could have been avoided. I love you, but thanks. As soon as he shows up, he kind of gets a little bit of sadness and rebuke. They're trying to correct him. Oh, friends, we've got to trust him. Last thing, and I'm done. 35, Jesus wept. Then said the Jews, behold how he loved him. Again, once again, the third time, he loved him. Verse 37, then some of them said, could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind have caused that even this man should not have died? Jesus, therefore, again groaning in himself, coming to the grave. It was a cave, and a stone lay upon it. Jesus said, take ye away the stone. Martha, the one who always has a plan. I'm not trying to say don't have a plan for your life. I'm trying to say we don't need to expect God to always go to according to our plan. It just doesn't work that way. Okay? Martha, the sister of him that was dead, saith unto him, again, if there's any confusion, Martha, the sister of the one that was dead, like, it, there's no doubt who's talking here. Lord, again, by this time, he stinketh. <laughs> Seriously? You want me to what? It's been four days. Jesus, he stinks. As if you didn't know that. As if we're telling Jesus something he doesn't know. My plan, look, if you'd have showed up, if you would have showed up when I asked you to come, he wouldn't be stinking. You realize that sometimes Jesus waits until it stinks? Until it's really bad. Until it's like, look, hope is gone. When he was still warm and breathing and sick, you could have done something. But now that he's dead and really dead, four days dead, hey, stinky dead. Jesus, what do you think you're going to do when he's stinky dead? Sometimes our problems get bad and stinky and you think there is no way this is this is not going to work. He can't I I know he can do all things but he's he lot he lot he lot he lost. He he It's just not going to work. It's too late. It stinks now. It's dead dead. Look, if God can create life out of nothing and reach into the dust and form a human being and breathe into its nostrils the breath of life and make all of us out of dirt, one four-day-old stinky guy and bringing him back to life is not a problem. His plans are bigger than ours. He gets more glory out of stinky four-day dead than he does sick and just needs a little prayer and a little touch. Man, this is going to be awesome. I, I know I'm going a little long. I'm almost done. He says in verse 39, take ye away the stone. One big stone. Martha argues with him, verse 40. Jesus saith in her, said I not unto thee that thou wouldest believe? Thou shouldest see the glory of God. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always. But because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. When he had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And his face was bound about with a napkin. Jesus saith unto him, Loose him and let him go. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did, believed on him. This whole story is not about Lazarus being healed. This story is about Jesus lifting up himself and the, the spotlight, this whole dramatic situation. The sickness, the delay, the doubt, the frustration, the discarded expired plans. All of it was a a, a big spotlight coming on him in that moment where he said, Lazarus, come forth. This big crowd was there. Everybody saw this. God wants to use us and our problems and as we navigate them through faith and trust in him for other people to see he's real. 
He really is who he said he is. They had some doubts before, but when you see a guy that's stinky dead come out of the cave, the Bible says bound hand and foot with a napkin on his face. He floated out. I don't know, but he came out. There was no doubt it was Lazarus. In the next chapter, they have a big dinner party, and Lazarus is sitting there eating. Lazarus, what's it like to be stinky dead and be called back from the man? I'm telling you what. When I get to heaven, I'll, Lazarus is on my top ten. And I'm not kidding. After we worship Jesus for 10,000 years, the first top 10, Lazarus' buddy talked to me about this. What was it like? I mean, like, were you like hanging out with Abraham and glory, you know, and talking to Noah about the ark? And then all of a sudden, like, fellas, I'm being called back. I got to go back to my body. They're like, what? Seriously? He's calling. Ah, man. And here he comes. And he's eating. The next chapter, he's eating. I want to see that kind of Jesus in my life. I don't want to be the kind of guy that says, you're not doing my plan, I'm done with this. You didn't answer my prayer the first time, I'm done with that. We have got to learn to navigate the disappointment of delay by faith. His plan is bigger. If all of us put our heads together and came up with a plan, his plan would be bigger and better. But it requires faith. We've got to trust him. When you cannot track him, you have got to trust him. When you pray and he doesn't answer, we've got to trust him. He is, tr- he is not trying to show you how awesome you are. He's trying to show you how big he is. And he can only do that if we're willing to trust him. Are you willing to trust him? What's, what's the test in your life? Are you hurting or is it someone that you love that's hurting? Trust him, my friends. He's worthy. Trust him. All things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to his purpose. Trust him. He'll come around when he's good and ready. Trust him. He loves you. Everybody bow your heads, please, and close your eyes.